Hello, everyone, and welcome to Twice Exceptional, Teens Exploring and Living with Neurodiversity. My name is Kate. I am 17 years old, and I am a twice exceptional teenager, having both ADHD and being diagnosed as gifted. Not only do I have ADHD, but I actually have a brother with ADHD as well, meaning I've seen ADHD in multiple different forms. So in this podcast, I discuss neurodiversity in its many forms and interview people with different experiences with neurodiversity. Today, I'm going to be discussing a topic that I've wanted to talk about for a long time now, the gender bias of ADHD. For context, I learned a lot about this topic for a research paper that I did last year about ADHD and the gender stereotypes. So let's start with all the information and then I can explain how it fits in personally. In 2016, the CDC reported that 6.1 million children have been diagnosed with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, commonly known as ADHD. However, boys were 2.3 times more likely to be diagnosed than girls. As a result, Young girls with undiagnosed ADHD are suffering in silence, not only with unmanaged ADHD, but frequently with high levels of anxiety and depression. To this day, ADHD is still primarily diagnosed by behaviors observed in school, yet many girls with ADHD unknowingly mask their symptoms as a way of conforming with their peers. Dr. Michelle J. Jelfan's research on various aspects of synchrony helps explain this masking behavior, as she concluded that children tend to stick with the people they perceive as most similar to themselves. And another study from the University of North Carolina confirmed this in their research on conformity in adolescence, stating that the adolescent's brain evaluates the social context of a given situation before choosing whether or not to conform. And especially in girls, ADHD-like behaviors are viewed as abnormal, therefore unacceptable, resulting in these girls hiding under a mask of normalcy. So I'm going to be further exploring this issue under three main lenses. The historical lens, the social lens, and medical lens. So first, I need to establish why diagnosing ADHD is actually important. Because undiagnosed ADHD actually tends to lead to a higher incidence of poor self-esteem and raises a patient's chance of developing depression and anxiety. According to doctors Patricia Quinn and Mashida Matahu, two different studies on ADHD in girls, the self-esteem of girls with ADHD is significantly lower than that of both neurotypical girls and boys with ADHD. So low self-esteem in females with ADHD results from these low rates of diagnosis in early childhood. CHAD, which is a nonprofit organization that provides research on ADHD, establishes that the condition's effects on self-imaging and stress can result in depression. ADHD's effect on self-image also explains masking, which is when a person hides their symptoms by copying the actions of those around them. Conformity such as masking has not been found frequently in neurotypical children. The previously mentioned study from the University of North Carolina on adolescent conformity found that children will conform to opinions against their own belief only 35% of the time. However, children with ADHD process information differently than the average child, making them likely to interpret social situations differently. 
So for all ADHD children, the constant stress of pretending to be like everyone else while still being perceived as lazy and unmotivated plays a large factor in self-imaging problems. Looking at this issue more closely, girls with ADHD tend to have worse self-esteem than boys because they're diagnosed much later in childhood due to medical bias based on the historical roots of the condition. Now I'm going to jump into the history of ADHD. Historically, ADHD has been classified as a hyperactive boy disorder, resulting in many girls remaining undiagnosed today. Sir George Frederick Still, a British pediatrician, is typically credited with identifying ADHD, and he observed that the rate of diagnosis between boys and girls was a 3 to 1 ratio in the year 1902. Modern studies of the rates of diagnosis among genders seem to confirm Dr. Still's ratio, even more than a hundred years later. So despite that increase in ADHD research in the late 20th to early 21st century, the difference in diagnosis between boys and girls was never fully explained beyond girls just not having the condition. A more likely explanation for this gap is the difference of expression of symptoms in males and females. Girls tend to have inattentive ADHD, where boys have hyperactive impulsive ADHD. Inattentive ADHD is harder to identify because the symptoms are not as obvious, meaning early researchers probably did not notice the condition in girls. Unfortunately, the history of ADHD's exclusive focus on hyperactive boys prevents girls from getting the assistance they need now. So even for those females who are able to get a diagnosis, the process of getting it is much more difficult. A study on 100 children with ADHD, half of whom were girls from the Nordic Journal of Psychiatry, reported that girls were more likely to be brought in for some other emotional condition first and then subsequently diagnosed as ADHD as a result of the treatment. The process to receive diagnosis tended to take longer, as did the medication process. Because girls do not fit the stereotype for ADHD, they do not immediately receive the recommendation to get evaluated, no matter their symptoms. An ADHD diagnosis An ADHD diagnosis typically requires a referral from parents and teachers, something that is less likely to occur for girls because the school environment is not ideal for diagnosing girls that tend to mask their symptoms. People tend to conform to increase their perceived unity to a group of people, and this is no less common in school-aged children. This makes it extremely difficult for teachers to identify the symptoms of ADHD in young girls, delaying their chances of receiving a proper diagnosis. Boys tend not to internalize their symptoms as much to be accepted because many young boys are hyperactive. Therefore, because young girls mask their symptoms to fit in with society, an ADHD diagnosis is less likely. Socially, girls have different expectations than boys when it comes to their behavior. For this reason, girls with ADHD tend to have more issues maintaining friendships and have a higher rate of poor self-esteem. A study on social behaviors for children with and without ADHD found that girls with ADHD tend to have the most difficulty remaining, maintaining close relationships with their peers. Because girls tend to struggle socially due to their ADHD, they're more likely to mask their symptoms as a way to feel accepted. Masking their personality is a key factor in the high rates of anxiety reported in girls with ADHD, as found through the BMC's Psychiatry article on the differences between male and female ADHD. 
These problems with self-image continue to grow as girls fail to receive a proper diagnosis explaining these behaviors. Social expectations for females in general build upon themselves to create an even larger issue for women with ADHD. The current criteria for being diagnosed with ADHD prevents those who have learned to mask their symptoms from receiving a diagnosis, decreasing the likelihood of girls receiving a proper diagnosis. Since the traditional ADHD case, both socially and historically, is male, girls are measured to the same standards, despite differences in how their symptoms are portrayed. If a girl does not meet the same level of poor behavior as her male counterparts, she's not going to be diagnosed. And teachers often fail to notice ADHD in girls for this same reason. Teachers have not been able to correctly identify ADHD in female, and this is a root cause of their problems in school, so a new strategy needs to be implemented to diagnose girls. Medically, the criteria for diagnosing ADHD targets male symptoms more so than female symptoms. The Mayo Clinic, which is a nonprofit academic medical center, explains that there is no specific test for ADHD. So a diagnosis is made out of a variety of factors, including recommendations and patient history. DSM-5, which was implemented in 2012, is a resource often used to diagnose the condition. And in this, the requirements for ADHD and in this, the requirements for an ADHD diagnosis repeat multiple times that a patient's ADHD negatively impacts directly on social and academic slash occupational activities. Phrases like this are often interpreted by doctors as people who don't cause problems cannot have ADHD. In fact, an article from Harvard Health published in 2019 directly states that if a child displays symptoms but is getting good grades, isn't causing problems in class, and has good relationships at school and at home, they cannot have ADHD. Because girls tend to mask their symptoms to conform with their peers more than boys, girls are less likely to cause significant problems in a school environment, making this diagnosis unlikely. Oftentimes, ADHD in females is written off as an emotional disorder, since anxiety and depression share a few common symptoms with ADHD and often stem from undiagnosed ADHD. Especially... Essentially, a girl can have a clear case of ADHD, yet fail to receive the proper diagnosis because of the resources the doctors have been given for diagnosing the condition. Girls with ADHD are given unnecessary challenges when it comes to getting diagnosed, allowing for the gap between boys and girls to continue. ADHD is continuously missed in girls who mask their symptoms due to the current criteria, so updating the DSM will give women a better chance at receiving the proper diagnosis. By removing statements about causing problems in school, girls with ADHD might actually be considered by a doctor, rather than written off as emotional problems. Additionally, the public perception of ADHD as a behavioral problem in boys may be corrected if there's a consensus on what actually needs to be present to diagnose the condition. As teachers, parents, and other students start to discover the actual meaning of ADHD, girls will feel less pressure to mask their symptoms, raising the self-esteem of women. Another potential solution would be pediatricians conducting regular screenings for ADHD in the United States. So rather than relying on teachers to identify ADHD in girls, pediatricians can check up regularly with the patient and guardian and make appropriate referrals for ADHD when it is suspected. 
Mostly, doctors, parents, and teachers need to be educated about inattentive ADHD, the type commonly presented in girls. Behavioral problems in school need not be one of the main criteria in diagnosing or considering the evaluation of ADHD, and the process of masking and the pressure to conform to peers' behaviors by girls should be empathized to the teachers and healthcare providers to avoid a misdiagnosis. The public generally ignores girls displaying ADHD-like behaviors since they do not fit that stereotypical problem child. As a result, girls with ADHD are suffering from higher rates of depression, anxiety, and mental health problems than boys. And ADHD is not just a boy's condition, so it's time the medical community addresses that fact. So that's all the information I have on this topic, but now I would just like to share some of my personal thoughts and opinions and why I wrote this in the first place. So basically, in 10th grade, I read a research paper on basically whatever we wanted, but I've been really into studying ADHD, obviously, and the gender issue in specific is something I've really always been passionate about because I was actually diagnosed after my younger brother, and I feel like that's just really important. But the teachers just noticed his ADHD before anyone noticed mine, and the only reason that anyone even noticed mine is because of his ADHD. Because when they were in the room filling out the survey to get him diagnosed, they realized that I had displayed those symptoms. And it never occurred to them before that I could be the person with ADHD. And a big part of this was also because I was a gifted child, of course. And when you're labeled as gifted, everyone expects you to be a little quirky, which is kind of what the label was given to me as. So I was just the quirky child. And I was the smart child, but I was not the problem child, which is what ADHD tends to be associated with. So the only reason I was ever diagnosed with ADHD is because I happened to have a brother who had ADHD, and my parents took the time to look through the symptoms and realize that I displayed a lot of them. So clearly, there needs to be more education on this topic, and people need to stop thinking that ADHD only occurs in children that cause problems. Because ADHD can occur in anyone and everyone. And if we mask our symptoms or we get good grades, it doesn't mean that it's still not there. So thank you for listening to my podcast today. And if you would like to reach out to me, please email me at twiceexceptionalpodcast at gmail.com. Sorry for the late upload, but I've been really busy preparing for school stuff. And I'm really excited for a new interview that I have planned out for the future. And I can't wait to hear from you guys. Feel free to follow me on Instagram or TikTok at twice underscore exceptional podcast. Thank you.